It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Wednesday. We are officially halfway through the first working week of the international break. I hope you are not too bored about the prospect of no Premier League football for a while. But we do at least have some of the internationals kicking off fairly soon. So there will be some football to talk about. Quite a few Arsenal players involved. Not as many as there might have been. We will talk about that a little bit later on in this video. Uh, we've got stuff to discuss about Jorginho, who's been linked with Barcelona. Uh, we'll talk about Leandro Trossard. Uh, got plenty of questions and comments from you guys as well. But I just wanted to start today. Now, some of the eagle-eyed of you will have noticed there's a new thumbnail today to today's um, video. I've branched out a little bit, moved on. This is it. Um, this is what I am trying out. So I wanted to get your views. Quite a few of you were replying to the comments of yesterday's Extra Time show saying I needed to do a thumbnail that was a little bit different to sort of differentiate it from the usual daily show, which, of course, so my plan is, I'm going to see how this gets sort of uh, the sort of feedback from you guys. This is what I'm thinking for the new sort of daily show thumbnail. Uh, I think it's quite smart, but you know, <laughs> I might be wrong, uh, but I think it's quite good. And then I was going to use this, obviously, in the yellow, the Arsenal Wake Up. I'm not doing it in this weird neon colour that we've got in our proper in our proper Wake at the moment. I'm going with the traditional Arsenal yellow, and it's going to stay like that. Uh, so that would be the Extra Time Show thumbnail. So, you know, pretty different, you know, obviously, with the colour schemes and everything, that makes it stand out a little bit. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Let me know if it's a yay or an A. I think it's a yay, but as I said, I'm not exactly the most artistic of fellows, so we'll see what you guys think. But this is what I'm thinking of anyway. So that's the extra time, Inside Arsenal Extra Time, Charles Watson, James Benj. And then this would just be, from now on, the usual show thumbnail. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Please do want to get your feedback on that. Right, let's talk about Jorginho now, shall we? I'm not sure if you'd have seen this or not. Some of you, I imagine, will have done, but Barcelona are being linked with interest in Jorginho in a potential January move. ESPN reporting 
that Barca want to sign a defensive midfielder in January and Jorginho is on that list. Xavi is a known admirer of the Italian, has been interested in Barcelona in him before, of course. So I wanted to give my thoughts on this and my thoughts are pretty, pretty adamant. Arsenal should not even entertain the prospect of letting Jorginho go in January. In my view, he's already shown this season what a good, valuable squad member he is at the weekend against Manchester City. Coming into a game like that, I thought he was exceptional and he's been largely exceptional every time he's played this season. Yes, there was a mistake against Tottenham. Yes, it was a big individual error that led to a goal. And of course, it led to a goal against a team that we all wish hadn't scored against Arsenal being Tottenham. So those sort of goals count almost double when it comes to painfulness amongst the Arsenal fan base but you know that's an individual error that happens that's always going to happen in football unfortunately it was punished and it was punished very well by Tottenham but take that one mistake out and Jorginho's had a very good season I think so far when he has played the minutes he's played he's played very very well he's brilliant I thought against City great when he came on against Brentford he's just a really valuable member of this squad on the pitch and off the pitch as well where his influence should not be underestimated he's massively popular behind the scenes he's a real leader at Arsenal um, he's basically, you see him coaching the team at times, almost when he's down uh, warming up as a substitute. You just see him, he's just constantly talking, telling and barking out orders. You know, he's such an experienced player, reads the game so well. And, um, you know, if Arsenal are trying to win the title this season and trying to go deep into the Champions League, the, the thought of even letting Jorginho go in January would just be utter madness. And I'm sure, to be honest, that that's what Arsenal would be thinking as well. I cannot imagine they would even entertain the prospect of letting. Jorginho go it just wouldn't make any sense you know barring a ridiculous offer from um you know Barcelona that makes you almost as a you know business you, you have to think about it but I can't imagine Barca with their financial issues very well publicized financial issues are going to put anything on the table that's going to really make Arsenal's our eyes go wide open and think oh we've got to consider this I just can't imagine it it just doesn't make any sense from a business point of view, unless it's a ridiculous offer, and from a football point of view, it just makes very, very little sense indeed. You know, Arsenal have got a fantastic trio there of, you know, potential sixes or defensive midfielders or midfielders in their Arsenal when it comes to Declan Rice, Jorginho and Thomas Partey. And, you know, you don't want to weaken that halfway through the season when you're chasing major, major honours and you're trying to hunt down someone like Manchester City. It wouldn't make any sense to me, but let me know, obviously, what you guys think. Some of you might have different opinions on that but uh let me know in the comments below okay i wanted to talk about this now i'm sure you watched this last night and if you haven't watched it you should probably go and find the clip actually i might change my thinking on that probably don't go and find the clip because it's going to make you very very angry so unless you want to be angry then ignore it but if you want to be if you want to get a little bit of angry if you want your adrenaline pumping probably go and watch this clip with um howard well now he was in the studio at sky sports doing one of his shows with uh michael owen you know, going through the sort of VAR decisions and you know, talking about why these sort of mistakes have been made or these decisions weren't given or were given. He talked about, of course, the Tottenham versus Liverpool uh, fiasco that we all know about. But he also talked about the weekend's game against Manchester City and in particular, the decision to not send Matteo Kovacic off for A, the first, uh, first challenge, which easily could have been uh, sending off, but was a yellow card on the pitch. And then the VAR decided not to tell Michael Oliver, uh, Oliver to upgrade that decision. And then he talked about the failure of Michael Oliver to give the second yellow card for Kovacic's foul on Declan Rice just a few minutes later. If you haven't heard it, I've got the quotes here. So I'm going to, I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to read them out for you. So on the first one, 
He says, this is clearly a poor tackle. And I'm confident that if a red card had been given by Michael Oliver on the day, it would have been a very straightforward check complete from the VAR. But Michael Oliver doesn't. And then he says, second yellows are something that VAR is not able to get involved in. But he, Kovacic, was extremely fortunate to stay on the field. Oliver doesn't want to have a negative impact on the game by overreacting to something. But it is also true that if you underreact, you have a negative impact. He will realise the second one should have been a yellow card, which would have seen Kovacic sent off. So Howard Webb, obviously head of PGMOL, admits that it should have been a second yellow card. I mean, he didn't even need to admit it. We all know. You can all see it on the video. It's just a clear yellow card all day long. Will always be a yellow card all day long, and he should have been on the pitch. But the comment where he says that Michael Oliver doesn't want to have a negative impact on the game by overreacting to something is just one of the most remarkable things I've heard from a top referee. How can you have a negative impact on the on a game by sticking to the letter of the law and doing what's right and making the right decision? I've just never heard anything so stupid in my life. This is the same referee. And I genuinely think that Michael Oliver is the best referee that we have in this country. I think on the whole, he is pretty good. But remember, he is the same referee who gave Gabriel Martinelli two yellow cards against Wolves in the space of 15 seconds on the same incident, you know, from the throwing coming in, from stopping the throwing and taking quickly or trying to stop the throwing to taking quickly to then pulling back at the player about 10 seconds later. He got two yellow cards in the space of 10 seconds and got sent off. You know, to, to, for a referee to do that and then to not send Kovacic off for two of the most blatant, you know, the first one could have easily been a red and the second, the most blatant second yellow you're ever going to see. To not send him off because you don't want to have a negative impact on the game. It's just remarkable comment because <laughs> you've got to do it right. You've got, you've got to live by the letter of law. This is where the inconsistency just leaves fans and everyone fuming. And it's why these things with Howard Webb, like the first time he did it, I thought, oh, that's quite good. It's quite open. You get to hear the VAR. That was pretty cool. You get to sort of hear how it's how it's done and how they come to the decisions. But it's getting to the stage now where you're watching these things and you just think, this is all just a this is all just for show. It's just nothing else. You know what are we getting out of hearing Howard Webb come in there, not really getting questioned hard by Michael Owen at all. You know where was the com? You know they didn't even show the second yellow card on the replay, which was just ridiculous. So Mike Owen said, "Right, we're not going to show it." But should this have been this second yellow card? Why not show it? It was so blatantly obvious. Why not show that? And you know, Ask Blog wrote a really brilliant blog on it today. I retweeted it earlier. If you haven't read it yet, go and read it. It's really, really excellent, as always, from Andrew. The way he writes and the way he gets his points across is fantastic. And he's absolutely spot on in his assessment of it all. And it just feels like it's very much just for show and it's like what's the point in all this why is why is this program going on you know why didn't um michael owen sit there and say well do you have a problem with the fact that michael oliver is traveling over to uae and getting paid like millions of pounds to do these games over there and then coming back and you know the potential conflict of interest of refereeing a manchester city game who of course we know by their own who they're owned by you know there was no question or comments or anything like that and so it just feels like he's just there for the sake of it it's just propaganda basically almost turning it's turning into a propaganda show and you know, that's just not a not a good look and it just feels very very pointless so yeah that's my take on it i just thought it was a joke it's just a farce to be honest the whole thing's just been a farce since that manchester game i still can't believe it when you watch the replays and think how has he stayed on the pitch for that but let me know uh, of course what you guys think on that Okay, sort of turning my attention to Arsenal in the international break. It's a weird one. Normally, I mean, last international break, I think Arsenal had about 16 players away. It was most have had in a long, long time. It's a little bit different this time around. And it's kind of a bit of a boost, I think, for Arsenal. Depending on the 
um, severity of the injuries, obviously. Bukai Saka's not gone to England. He's obviously been sent back. Leandro Trossard hasn't gone to Belgium. Gabriel Martinelli hasn't gone to Brazil. You know, there's some really, really important key players there. Saliba hasn't gone to France, you know, who all could have been away playing two games with the threat of injury and coming back ahead of that big, big game against Chelsea on the Saturday immediately after international break. But now some of the really crucial players in Arsenal's team are going to get it a bit of a break. I'm sure they're going to be away and have a bit of a holiday this week, which would be great, an opportunity to recharge their batteries. Again, depending on the severity of injury, if they need to be at Colney for rehab and recovery, then they will be. But if they're someone like Saka, for example, which we believe you know wasn't that far away from potentially being involved against Manchester City, maybe he will take the opportunity to have a bit of a break and just recharge his battery. So you're kind of looking at this international break suddenly now from an Arsenal point of view as it being quite a positive, really, and a good opportunity to for, for players to like I said, have a rest and then really, really be fit and firing ahead of the Chelsea game after the international break because Arsenal's squad has been a little bit threadbare of late. There's definitely been injuries, issues that we all know about that have been going on. But there are signs that players are, you know, Martinelli came back early from injury. Thomas Partey came back from early from injury. Fingers crossed nothing happens with Thomas Partey. He's going over to Ghana now where we know he's had some issues before when he's gone over there for an international break. It would have been ideal if Thomas Partey could have stayed at Arsenal. But it's very hard when he comes on and plays in that game against Manchester City. Shows that he's fit for him not to go. But, you know, aside from that, players like Martinelli, Saka, Trossard, Saliba, having a couple of weeks off now, ahead of going to be such a mad run-up to the festive period following this international break can only be a good thing for Arsenal. It certainly lessens our enthusiasm for the international break in terms of watching it, because let's face it, most of us just watch international break now to see how the Arsenal players are doing. Um, but so it's going to be a little bit more boring for us in terms of Arsenal viewing. But for, I bet Mikel Arteta is sitting there at London Colney, pretty happy that some of his players now, some of his really key players are not heading off with their national teams. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, let's get on to some of your questions and comments, shall we? Now, I'm not going to answer this one from Hamza, 41900. But, well, I say that, I'm not going to answer it now. But this is just a bit of a heads up because I saw this one come in. I thought, that's a good, and this was obviously for me and James ahead of, inside Arsenal extra time we'd already chosen our questions though so we hadn't we didn't use this one at the time but um who is your player of the season so far it got me thinking and I think I'm going to do a bit separate video on this tomorrow I'm going to go through my sort of early season awards for the Arsenal players classic international break content type of thing you know player of the season worst player of the season goal of the season game of the season that sort of thing so I'm going to sort of put together a bit of a 
early season Charles Watts Awards um, tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled for that. So thank you very much for the idea, Hamza. I will answer your question tomorrow. Uh, here's one from uh, Rahul Chowdhury. He says, how come these two, this is in reply to mine and James's show yesterday inside Arsenal Extra Time when we gave our sort of, went through our five best signings of the post-Invincibles era on the back of all the chat about William Saliba and Gabriel after the game against the weekend. He said, how come these two have left Alexis Sanchez from their top five signings post-Invincibles era? It's baffling, dumbfounding. He was still... He was and still is the greatest Arsenal player of the Emirates era. 106 experiences, 80 goals, 45 assists, three FA Cup winners in his tenure when Arsenal were in the banter era. I mean, are they two holding some bitterness towards Sanchez, let alone first place, not even in the top five for £35 million? Uh, I will hold my hands up here, Raul Chowdhury. I totally forgot somehow about Alexis Sanchez. Uh, we've, I put that top five together about sort of five minutes of me and James were just sort of snowballing an idea on WhatsApp before we recorded the show. And I put that top five together very, very quickly. And I totally forgot Alexis Sanchez. He absolutely 100% should have been in my top five. And he would have been if I'd have remembered him. I don't know how I didn't forget him. It's nothing about bitterness towards him leaving for Manchester United. Alexis Sanchez is absolutely one of the top five signings in uh, the post-Invincibles era. And I absolutely slapped myself on the wrist for somehow forgetting him. He was an app. He was a machine, an unbelievable player who came in the first couple of seasons of prime Sanchez at Arsenal. You know, no one in the Premier League could handle him. He was that, that good. Some of the individual performances he put in, I think, of West Ham away were just genuinely remarkable. And he carried Arsenal at times. So a lot of people have said Ozil as well, but not for me. You know, I loved Meza. He was brilliant, but he doesn't make my top five for me. He was a lot of money and... He was great at times, but he was frustrating at times as well. So he doesn't make my top five. He's, I, I really like him. It was a really good signing. I loved his time here, but he doesn't make my top five. But Alexis Sanchez absolutely does make my top five. So yeah, apologies, Raul. It was nothing to do with bitterness about it, the way he left for Manchester United. I promise that he would 100% be there for me in my top five. Uh, here's one from uh, Raz Busan 7 Zero three or Rabs Bizarre, sorry, seven zero three. Sir, Sir Charles, Sir Charles, I'm not sure I've ever been called Sir Charles before. Uh, Sir Charles, do you believe the development of Saliba justifies Arteta's decision to loan him back to back for two consecutive seasons? I do. He showed a lot of promise when he first arrived at Arsenal, but he had this flaw where he tended to go to ground too easily anytime he was tackled. He has since fixed this and become the uh, Cullen and Rolls Royce we knew he would be yeah this is a really interesting one a few of you have sort of replied to the yesterday's comments talking about this and um does it justify it I think it certainly justifies it you can you know you look at how Saliba has developed and he's developed incredibly well out on those loan spells there is obviously the a sort of question mark over that and people would have said well couldn't you have done that at Arsenal in the first team and I do look at that second season when he was in Marseille when he played so so well in Marseille and think he probably, you know, I think he was probably good enough to play for Arsenal that season. Um, but the decision was taken to send him to Marseille. And it's plainly obvious that worked out really well when he came back a much better player. He played so many minutes for Marseille um, and was, you know, exceptional for them. And he came back to Arsenal, like I said, a much, much better player because of that. Um, but he could well have done that at Arsenal when you think Arsenal missed out on the top four that season when they imploded at the end of the season when all the defenders got injured and they had Rob Holding getting sent off against Tottenham and you think well Saliba could have been playing then and Arsenal it could have all panned out very differently and Arsenal would have been back in the Champions League so there is sort of two sides to that argument but I do I do think and I, and I know full well when he first came to Arsenal when the decision was first taken to send him out on loan you know it's I from what I heard from people in and around 
the place he was definitely not ready at that point and that was when the first sort of loan started to happen I do look at again thinking the one to Marseille maybe he was good enough at that point to be playing for Arsenal and that one didn't need to happen but the way it's all panned out now and you look at how good he is and how ready he was to hit the ground running when he was finally given his chance at Arsenal it's very tough not to say that the loans ended up being a bit of a a masterstroke and you know have helped him become the defender he is at such a young age now um here's one from samuel says hey charles a question for you on loanies given patino's bright start to the season at swansea with a handful of starts assists and a goal already do you see him coming into the team next season considering we're likely to lose party and potentially georgie in the summer due to dwindling contracts and age i feel he could be a great addition as he's looking like a strong talent alongside some other acquisitions similar to this are there any other loanies you reckon could move into the squad next season loving the show by the way thank you samuel um I don't know about Patino. Look, I'm a big fan of Charlie Patino. I'm sure lots of you will already be uh, aware. But I kind of, you know, he there was a very good chance he was going to go in the summer. Very good chance. At the start of the summer, he was going to go permanently. You know, that decision had been taken and people were working towards that. That changed as the summer wore on. And there were discussions going on between those people and Arsenal and it started to change a little bit and the decision was taken. Okay, I'll tell you what, let's, we will go, let him go out on loan again, give him a season and then we'll come back next summer and we'll sit down and decide the best course of action at that point. Now, Patino is only going to have a year left in the summer and I think it's going to take a lot for him to be kind of convinced and his people to be convinced to sign a new deal at Arsenal. He's going to need a pathway. He's going to... And, you know, the... At the start of last summer, they were looking at it and thinking there isn't really a pathway. And I get your point about Party and Jorginho and their ageing and El Neni as well is obviously ageing. So, you know, could they leave? Would that open up a pathway? Potentially. You know, I think it all depends on what Patino does this season. And he started very, very well at Swansea, but he's got an opportunity. If he goes to Swansea, has a really, really strong season in the championship, continues to do what he does now, you know, continues to improve physically as well, then... He has got a chance, but for as far last time I was aware, basically all options are on the table when it comes to Charlie Patino. It's a, it's a year for him to really show what he can do at a good club that plays the football that he likes to play. He's playing in the position he wants to play, and this is a real opportunity for him to make his mark in the championship and say to Arsenal, look, I am ready. And if he does that, they're all going to sit down at the end of the season and decide what the best pathway is for that. So, you know, I'd love for him to stay and to prove himself and to be given his chance because we all want to see um, academy players come through. But, um, you know, I do think it will be difficult for Charlie, but certainly not impossible. In terms of other loanees who might force their way into the first team, I'm not too sure. I'm just looking at um, looking at who's out on loan at the moment. And, you know, you look at the sort of senior players, obviously, you know, Quanko's at Wrexham, he's going to go in the summer on a permanent basis. He's out of contract. Tierney, I still expect will go in the summer uh, if he you know, can get back from this injury and a market sort of arise for Kieran Tierney, which I hope it will. Marquinhos, I don't see him forcing his way into the first team next summer. Same goes for Sambi, same goes for Nuno. So it's very, very unlikely. And a lot of the youngsters who are out on loan, you know, I just don't, I don't really see it. You know, Charlie's probably the most experienced of a lot of them, but then you've got maybe Brooke. But again, I still feel like Brooke, Norton Cuffey, probably the likelihood is that he'll end up, he'll end up going and, you know, Omar Reckitt, those sort of players. Um, I just don't look at any of those really banging on the door of the first team, to be honest. But some of you guys might disagree with me. Let me know, of course, in the comments below on that. And quickly before I go, this is very, very different. Obviously, it's not football one, but just wanted to answer it. 
just so uh, to so thanks very much for your questions. So Hale saying, Charles, will you be watching the Cricket World Cup? Who do you think will win? Yes, I am watching the Cricket World Cup. Of course I am. I love my cricket. Um, and I was watching two very good games yesterday. England, of course, finally getting up and running. That very good win against Bangladesh after such a disappointing opening game for England. Um, and uh, Pakistan, fantastic from Pakistan. What a run chase that was against Sri Lanka as well. Um, who do I think will win it? I think home advantage is going to be very, very crucial. I would, you know, it's, it's give or take. White ball cricket is very hard. Everyone can beat anyone in this format of the game, of course. But uh, I would say India are my favourites at the moment with home advantage, with the way the pitches are going to be set up. They're certainly going to help India. Um, and that's home. That's with every right at home advantage. You can make sure the pitches suit the, the home team. So I think it will take a very, very good side to beat India. But white ball cricket, anyone can beat anyone, especially with the power hitters that we have in international cricket nowadays. But yeah, if you're going to ask me to pick one, it will be India. Right. Switching back now after uh, <laughs> a little bit of cricket chat, which I'm sure some of you probably turned off at. But thank you very much for watching. Appreciate your time. As always, everyone do have a very good Wednesday. I'll be back tomorrow, like I said, for the uh, early season Charles Watts Awards. So I'm sure you'll all be waiting with bated breath for that one. Have a very good day, everyone. I will speak to you soon. 